It is uh, June 9th, 2021 at exactly 12.04 p.m. Um, this is the MoFo Podcast. I'm your host, Moise Batiste, where I am in initially doing the Memories from Moon Podcast, where I'm connecting with guys who and girls that have had the chance to learn from, grow from, people I respect, love, admire. And, um, you know, those who know me know that I believe that God brings people in your life for a reason, whether it's for a, a lifetime or just for a minute. You know, it's 7 billion people on this planet. So, you know, this, it seems like some things are intentional. So for whatever reason, we don't know. But um, when those people come, for whatever reason, you acknowledge it. And, and that's what I'm doing now with this podcast, connecting with my brothers who all uh, wore this uh, blue and white jersey at one point in their football careers. And I told y'all I'm bringing y'all special guests and this guy is no exception. Um, his name, I told him, kept coming up in interviews and, <laughs> and you know, he holds a very uh, uh, special distinction from the quarterback ranks. Um, his numbers, they're all in one game, the greatest Robert Morris quarterback performance in history we're talking about and I don't have the, the, the stats in front of me but just know that he held, holds the all-time record at completions in the game all-time attempts in the game all-time yardage in the game uh, um, and he should have had over 500 yards if some things wasn't called back uh, but I and I got a chance to say I witnessed this performance and so without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, he is a former uh, assistant under Robert Morris University, former quarterback. He's former offensive coordinator for Westminster College. And he is now currently the offensive coordinator for Edinburgh University in Erie, Pennsylvania. Ladies and gentlemen, my brother, Richard DeMeo. What's going on, my brother? Wow, nice introduction there, Mo. Appreciate it, man. Oh, uh, dude, that's the fun part of this, man, <laughs> is that I'm getting chance to give flowers to people, right. man. So when it's not about me, it's so much more fun. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I get to make people blush and we get to reflect and reminisce, man. And like I told you before, you know, off camera that um, you was one of those people that, you know, I don't know, we had a whole lot of interactions, but I used to admire your, your coolness. And so, and, and let me get into that. So yeah. I usually start a podcast with uh, first time I met you and why I appreciate you. So again, I can't say I actually remember when I first met you, but I can remember um, you getting at the quarterback position, young quarterback. And when I got there in 2000 and, you know, you 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 were in the mix, in the fold, learning, growing um, and got to see you early on and. Uh, uh, I just remember again, you were always that cool dude, you know, laid yeah. back, chill, you know, looked like nothing really roughed you up. But what I remember and why I appreciate you is because of something, again, we just talked about offline and the, the stats that I just read off, the all-time leader in one game completions, uh, um, attempts, and yardage. And it happened all in one game. And that special story, because as a communications major from Robert Morris and as a person who's written screenplays, dude, in my head, I'm already writing that story because from a football story, that is one of the dopest <laughs> stories ever. I'm telling you. And, and so just to let you know, I'm working on that screenplay. All right, right good. Here. You could probably hook up with my mom too because she said she was going to write a book or something on that, um, that story. So, man, yeah, man I appreciate it. 
call that the game. I don't know what we know <laughs> something, but yeah, that that that's a dope story. So, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, my man Richard DeMayo, man, I can't thank you enough, man, for coming on. I know you're extremely busy. So again, what I what I again uh, told you what I remember about you, but what I appreciate you is about how you handled those four years. Mm -hmm. I, I appreciate about how you handled that game and how you you really showed that you knew that system and that you deserve to be on that field the whole time. But like I said, I told teammates uh, from other interviews that some of us are meant to be all Americans and, and, and the greatest of all times and something else. But I'm grateful for my career, Robert Morris, even though I don't have no great statistics. Um, but I, you know, I'm going to be an MVP or, or, or All-American or something else. So, uh, uh, but yeah, brother, salute to you and, and, and the stuff that you're doing, man. But how has life been treating you, man? Life's great right now. We got a seven and a four-year-old. Uh, my, my boy Santino is killing it in soccer right now. And right. Uh, my daughter, she rolls the house. You know, she's four-year-old. She's going on about, she's four years old, going on about 16. Yeah, you know, man. Got all the <laughs> sassy and remarks and all that stuff going on now. <laughs> Is so she a daddy's girl? Yeah, she's daddy's girl. Um, yeah, she she she's she's going on a little mommy kick over the past couple months, though. I guess she's going through a little phase, but growing <laughs> up, she definitely was. And uh, you know, I kind of treat her a little differently than a boy, but that's normal. <laughs> hey, that's why she got all that sass, brother. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, man. So how, how have you dealt with COVID, man? Not only just in life in general, but also with the new job, man. I know, yeah. man, again, you guys, you and shout out to uh, 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 Jack, uh, Jake, Jake yeah. no, excuse me, you know, head coach. And uh, you guys transitioning right when COVID hit, man. So how's that transition been for you? Uh, that was... It was rough. I'm not gonna lie to you. It was rough because you know this will be. This was kind of like my third uh, rebuild in a row, a little, if I could say. And it's you want to get in, you want to hit the ground running, and, and get things rolling. And I was there a month, a month, and then um, they basically kicked us out, so everybody's got to go home. And you know that was rough. We didn't know how long it was gonna, how long it was gonna be. And, you know, month after month, still, you know, staying home and um, dealing with, you know, daddy daycare uh, mm -hmm. and then trying to, you know, do Zoom meetings with our players. And um, it was good because, you know, it gave us an opportunity to talk a lot about football to our kids, uh, to install systems and all that stuff. And uh, it was good in that regards, but you always want to get on the field and get out there and, and throw the ball around a little bit and have some fun. But, um, but you know, it, you know, summer it got rough because, you know, it still wasn't moving along in regards to where we're going to have a season or we're not going to have a season. Uh, so, you know, the days were getting longer and it was just getting rougher and rougher. And, uh, you know, my, my kids were struggling a little bit, you know, staying home all the time. And, you know, I was, my wife was. So it was, it was rough, but when you're talking about uh, trying to build a program back back up, you want all the time you can with the kids. And we, we just didn't have any of that. And then, um, you know, late July, they told us we weren't having a season. And that was uh, another, you know, hit to the battleship, man. And 
<clears throat> so we, we, we got about 23, 24, 25 kids, something like that. That's it. That's all we had on campus in the fall. Wow. And we were able to, you know, lift them and condition them. But man, it was, it was different. You know, you see a lot of people playing some, you know, division one and stuff like that. And you get itchy, you want to get out there, but you just kind of wait. And the waiting game was the hardest part, like what's coming next and no one really knows. Yeah. So COVID, I mean, it, I got it. It didn't do much to me. I didn't have any symptoms. Um, my wife got a little sick, but uh, we were able to, you know, keep it away from our kids. And they never got it, so uh, I was never really scared about, you know, COVID. I was just kind of wanting and waiting for what's next. And it took a long time, so you know, in the spring when we finally got back, man, our coaches, we were so happy, we were so energetic, we were just ready to get back out there. Yeah, man. I, I again, I just can imagine, man. I can only, you know, imagine, you know, right when you're ready to hit the ground and all the things required to get a program started, building culture, trying to build culture o over Zoom is, you know, I, and then all those coaches trying to do that. So, yeah, man. Uh, we had, uh, that, we had two coaches. We had three coaches. Two or three coaches that did not even get to meet the kids. Wow. We got hired in March and, you know, in early March, all of our kids were gone and they didn't even get to be around them until we had a couple kids, you know, in the fall. So that was rough on them, man, trying to get to know these kids and coach them up. And, everything. and you know, it's interesting, man. And I, as I think about this, um, you know, the teams and the, uh, the programs who have the ability to build culture the fastest are going to be the ones who can win. So right. it's almost like everybody got a reset a reset button as far as those who missed out. Right. And those who can truly build culture the fastest and, and or the most organically um, be the ones hit the ground running. So mm -hmm. again, even before X's and O's is establishing that culture, man. So yeah, man, you guys, Nolf, I think having a, yeah. Coach Knopf really like, that's what he does the best, man. He's, he's awesome with that stuff. He, in all of our meetings that we had and, you know, over Zoom as he was pushing that stuff, pushing that and what to expect and how we're going to be, how we're going to play, what type of football team we're going to be. And I mean, you, you think about attention spans and the kids nowadays, you know, if you go over 30 minutes in a meeting, <laughs> you're, you're going to lose them a little bit. And so I think we did a really good job with uh, getting them in, getting them out, giving them their time, especially since they're dealing with a lot of stuff with with COVID. And then, you know, Jake was doing a great job with the culture side of things. We got them to jump on board pretty quick. The kids have been absolutely great. Um, you know, in the world of football, man, you know, kids are, it's a different type of kid, football player. It really is. I mean, you're dealing with kind of the last of the gladiators, um, kids that are committed, tough kids, and uh, they want to win. You know, Edinburgh wants to win. Those kids want to win, so they really dove in, and, and they uh, they committed pretty quickly, and they were listening to everything we said, and uh, it's been good so far. You know, it's funny. I thank you for mentioning that metaphor of the gladiator mm -hmm. because I think it's one that I've been thinking about a lot of and, and in a different time period. That's what a lot of us would be doing. If we weren't right. soldiers, we would be doing some kind of 
battle, you know, something related to battle. And I think that's what football provides. And I try to explain to people that when I try to describe the physicality, people that don't know about the sport kind of groan and look at me like strange. And I, and right. I say, ah. And, we, and that's when I realized that just a lot of us are just built different, socialized different, you know, all those things. So football players, well, you got to be a little special, you know, <laughs> you got to you got to be in that word special. I mean, that you take that any way you want. Yeah, but yeah you got to be a little special with, uh, <laughs> to play that sport. And, uh, you know, I, I think about where my body feel right now. And people ask, will you take anything back? I'm like, of course not. You know, no I'm not the person yeah, who no I am way. today again. And that's when you know that it, it's just was not meant for everybody, man. Mm-hmm. You know, so, some of us are meant to put on the equipment, be on the field. Some of us are meant to paint our bodies different colors cheering, you know, right. and that's right. okay. Everybody got their role. You know, we need each other, you know, but um, yeah, gladiator sport, man. But, uh, but yeah, let's get into your childhood, man. Yeah. So you a Pittsburgh kid, man. So you born and raised Pittsburgh kid. Uh, shout out again. This is Memories from Moon. Moon is located uh, about 20, 25 minutes outside of downtown Pittsburgh. And uh, as a Florida kid, you know, when you go through that tunnel and the city disappear, you know, shout out to Taiwan Massey. He said that was one of the things that sold him is saying, I'm coming here is when he went through that tunnel. And, and so uh, just to, this, to me, describe, uh, 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 if you will, mm-hmm. um, growing up in Pittsburgh, what does the city mean to the people, the people to the city? Even talk a little bit about uh, Steeler fandom, you know, right. saying what does the black and gold mean to the city? So describe your upbringing in the city of Pittsburgh. You know, Pittsburgh <clears throat> to me is, is, it's tough. You know, people in Pittsburgh are tough. And that's one of my favorite quotes. I forget who said like Liam Neeson said in the movie, Pittsburgh's tough. And it really is. I mean, you know, growing up, I grew up in Sheridan a little bit till about, you know, fifth, sixth grade. And, you know, my, my dad is a towel setter. You know, my mom has a lot of, had a lot of different jobs. Um, tough family, you know, great parents, um, you know, taught me to be humble and tough and, and all that stuff. And um, and then moved to kind of the, the, the suburbs a little bit after that to uh, Scott Township and uh, Shark Tears Valley area. And you just see it. You said, you know, Steeler fandom. You just, it, it's just like a, a, everybody is about it. You know, everybody. The Yenzers are... They're everywhere, man. They're everywhere. Everywhere you go, you know, you see Steeler fans. So, like, I lived in a, a couple different states, and there's always Steeler bars, and, and, and everywhere you go, you meet, you know, Steeler fans. And um, what's funny about my kind of upbringing, I was a Steelers fan for forever, but then, you know, I think it may be about, what was it, 90, when they went to Super Bowl, 94, 95, because Cowboys. Uh-huh. I was a huge Troy Aikman guy, right? And I love Troy Aikman. And, uh, you know, they played the Steelers at the Super Bowl. And my parents got so mad because it was like Steelers Day at school, I believe. And I wore like a, I wore like a, like a Cowboys <laughs> shirt. <laughs> you know, and I got killed. I got killed at school. And everybody was like, what are you doing? I'm like, yeah, hey, I'm a Troy Aikman, you know, fan. But, uh, you know, I, I had that one little stint with the Cowboys, but I've been Steelers through and through. Um, and then, you know, growing up in in, in, in Scott, you, you kind of have, you know, a mixture of people. It's awesome. 
Um, the, the Chartiers Valley High School, I think, is good mix. You know, tough kids. You got you pull from a whole lot of different t uh, areas, rich, poor. You know, different types of, of backgrounds. And um, and in in growing up there, it was you know I was very multiple in regards to sports. I played everything, but. I yeah, really didn't that start, list, man. Go through that list. I mean, I, I played baseball my whole life. That was my my first love, and I was always short, second, or, or pitcher, and because uh, I had a decent arm. So, I, you know, and then in sixth grade, I wanted to play football. You know, um, and my dad was a quarterback. He played uh, quarterback for Keystone Oaks High School, and then uh, for the University of Cincinnati. Um, he was unbelievable. He was like Whoopio MVP and awesome quarterback. And he never really pushed me to, to, to do, you know, to play football, but I just got started, started getting a love for it and played, you know, and then started playing uh, in sixth grade for a little bit, played tight end, which nice, was great. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Played okay. tight end. Uh, you know, they, they split me out every once in a while, threw me a slant, and that was about it. <laughs> And I played for like a Catholic school, uh, Our Lady of Grace. And, uh, you know, we only had 15, 20 kids on the team, maybe. Uh, and then the next year, seventh grade, they didn't have enough kids on for the team, so we didn't play. The eighth grade was the first year that I played quarterback. They had a, a pretty good quarterback, and I went out there and I said, I want to play quarterback too. So I ended up beating that kid out and uh, started playing quarterback in eighth grade. And then, um, you know, going to high school, uh, ninth grade, we were a pretty good ninth grade football team. But then, you know, Churches Valley isn't really known for football. <laughs> it's known for sure. basketball. You know, basketball is, uh, is number one there. So growing up in high school, like <clears throat> we had some, you know, my sophomore year played a little bit and, uh, you know, we went, went to the playoffs my sophomore year, and then, I don't know, man, something happened my junior and senior year. I only won one game my junior and senior year, and it was the last game of my senior year. One game. We played in the, the Parkway Conference, the old school Parkway Conference, which was legit. I mean, West Day, Blackhawk, Moon, like all these teams were there were at the, you know, the top at that time. Um, and I, I, I loved you know, the way I was brought up, you know, my parents did it the right way. And, um, I think that the, the Pittsburgh toughness comes through and, and whatever I do, hard worker. Um, but yeah, the Yenzer nation is everywhere. Man. It's everywhere. It's crazy. <laughs> but you know what's overtaking Steelers a little bit now, man? What is that? Penguins hockey. I'm is telling you, right? like, I, it is my loyalty is if not more to the Penguins now than the state, it's equal or above. I'm telling you, the Penguins wow. have, it's, it's just, it's, I've latched on it. Everybody that I'm around coaching wise loves the Penguins. We, we, we go to places to watch games together and, you know, all that stuff, man. But um, yeah, the Pittsburgh town is, 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 is great. It's awesome. The people are awesome. The football is great. Uh, really enjoyed, you know, being brought up in it. You know, it's funny, man. My first interest ever in hockey, you know, and I tell people all the time, uh, even before that, you know, yeah. my, my my introduction to black and gold was ninth grade in Florida. 
I played for the Southside Steelers and we were the best team in the, in, in, you know, little league team in the city. Uh, but then my first introduction to hockey of any kind was, you know, obviously the Penguins and Mario Lemieux, you know, yeah. looking at yeah. that number six, you know, that, that uh, what number did he wear again? 66. 66. Yeah. And then yeah. who's, the, who's the stud in that there now? I can't uh, see his face. Can't see his name. Crosby. You got yeah, Crosby. Crosby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From Canada. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, you know, and, and, and you know, the thing about it is I think about the Mario Lemieux. I think about this, uh, you know, uh, uh, Sid Vicious, man. And, huh. you know, it, it, it's uh, they got the look, too. It's one thing to be good, but they got the look, too. Yeah. So they're, you know, marketers dream. And so. And so, yeah, man, uh, uh, shout out to the Penguins. And uh, uh, yeah, so Penguin Mania, huh? Okay. So it's just another, it's another contact sport, you know? I can't yeah, get into, right. I, I can't get into baseball anymore. I cannot watch the Pirates. Um, it's too slow. Basketball, I watch, you know, playoffs and stuff, but Pittsburgh yep. doesn't have a team. So we never really got into a, a college or NBA team, but I, you know, watched the, the playoffs stuff, but. Yeah, so, you know, Penguins have really just taken over that, you know, second sport for me. And you know what, man? I so thank you for saying this, because my wife and I have been, been wanting to go to a Nationals, a Predators, a Nashville Predators game, man, and we just haven't. Um, and, and it's like, we got to take advantage of that, because you right. Think about the contact, and because um, I can't, my, you know the challenge for me now, I can't watch football right now. Yeah. I haven't, you know, I don't think uh, talking to Scott Koncheck. Shout out to Scott Koncheck yeah, in his interview, and he mentioned like the crackback that you know Walton used to do, you know, in the receiver. And I hear like that's not in the game anymore. And I had to really think about that, like that's been banned. And I'm like, and I had to think about it, like that's no longer in the game. And I'm like, what am I watching? Like again, no shout out to the, uh, mm -hmm. uh, modern football. No disrespect to anybody. It's just that. When I see receivers run across the middle with no accountability, that that hurts my heart, you know. And because the game was different, and I see some the quarterbacks. I got way more scorers back respect for quarterbacks like yourself right. and those who played in a different era. No disrespect to current quarterbacks again, but it's just a different game, and I don't recognize it. But I do need to get more into hockey, and I will so because my first time going to a hockey game was at Cornell. And I said, oh my God, to go to Division One yep. top 10 ranked hockey, oh, with a college atmosphere, I, I think it's better than football. I, I would yeah, say, awesome. because to watch the guy, Cornell guy score and the whole audience starts chanting, it's all your fault. It's all, <laughs> and dude, I'm crying laughing. My wife and I looked at each other like, oh, we like this. This You're is right. dope. So. We will be getting into some more hockey. It's man. funny you mentioned yeah. that crackback because we uh that was a big play for us at, at Westminster. We used to uh, we had some slots that were dudes, and uh, <laughs> we 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 motion them in and we crack on that end, man. And we had I'm talking about thirty yard touchdowns, forty yard touchdowns. Um, we used to we used to cut down field and, and peel back on screens and it's funny like you know every year you gotta kind of reinvent yourself and teach the rules because this is just gonna be a penalty now. Yeah. So a lot of those plays have now been gone away, but yeah, the toss crack man, we used to man, there, there was a couple times our our slots would light up that DN and it, it was <laughs> <over>. <laughs>
Hey, man, you know, hey, from, from just to give you, because uh, you're a quarterback, and I love the way y'all think and what y'all see. Mm-hmm. In your opinion, because I got a receiver, in my in my opinion, I think is the greatest blocking uh, receiver in Robert Moore's history. But who did you love to see from Robert Moore's doing that crack back, doing that toss crack? Oh, who did I love seeing doing that? It was, I mean, there was a lot of guys now. Daldo, Settles, I mean, those guys would do it. Um, he would do it a lot with some bigger guys, too. Uh, My favorite was Opio. Yeah, I was only, I, w- I was still young with Opio. I was right. only a, a freshman and sophomore. Yeah. Opio was awesome doing that. Um, Motion in that tight end and doing a lot of stuff. Those tight ends did a real good job of it, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that that's one thing that you know, receiver-wise, that we we stress a lot is the physicality of the game too. Because sometimes, you know, those receivers don't want to do the dirty work. Yeah, dude. <laughs> hey, man, brother, man. And this is first. Let me just say this because as it comes to me, I'm just gonna say it to you. It has been a joy to watch you climb these ranks as far as the progression of coaching. But it's gonna be dope as hell when you become a head coach <laughs> and, and, and and watch you learn the rules and how yeah. to bend them and, and, and to, to take maximum advantage of every single part of the game and and you know and and, and teaching. Please thank you for teaching right. the physicality by receivers. Receivers, if you're gonna play the position, you can't be no bitch. You mm-hmm. need to be physical. So you get your walk. ass in the weight yep. room. You can't just depend on your feet. Use your size the best you can, but you got to block if you want to open up your route. So know that this coming from a linebacker. Even I know that you yeah. got to block to set up your routes. You know, so so yeah, the man. you know the big thing now, and I I learned a lot from a lot of physical guys. Like you know, obviously uh, Walton, you know, was a big physical run the ball guy. Uh, Mike Miller, my uh, my uh, mentors, you know, kind of grew up, you know, you have to be able to run the ball. You just yep. have to be able to do it. And when the offenses nowadays are RPOs, these receivers aren't going to, uh, aren't learning how to block very, very well. So there's, I can't tell you how many times in games, man, where you have the ball and you're up a touchdown and there's five minutes on the clock. Well, you better be able to block and run the ball and, and, and not worry about RPO and, and stopping the clock and all that. We've had some amazing, you know, four minute drives on my old school, you know, Westminster, we were built like that. Um, receivers gotta be able to do all that stuff now. And sometimes, you know, they, they don't like it, but yeah, you'll get, they'll get yours, but you gotta help out your boys, you know, on the perimeter too. Yeah, man. So shout out to those receivers who are dogs, man. They just just in a receiver position. So extremely important, man. So you say you played baseball, you played, you say basketball? I tried basketball, I was awful at it. So I basically <laughs> stopped playing basketball maybe fourth, fifth grade. I just wasn't built like that. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. What were the other sports you said? So I did uh, baseball. I played, we played uh, hockey literally every day after school, all growing up. All, you know, we used to have 
10 kids in, in the neighborhood. We used to go down and play roller hockey in, in the park every day after school. And then, uh, you know, once football came around, played football and then did track uh, through the javelin, which was very interesting to try. Um, way different than anything I've ever done, but I figured it was something to do in the spring. Um, yeah, so it was, I'm a huge fan of multi-sport guys. Huge oh, yeah, you know about it. That's the philosophy. Shout out to the late, great Dan Radakovich, you yeah. know, who stressed that, you know, look for athletes and coach them up. You know, that's that's how you win. Um, so, yeah, man. So let's talk about baseball. Because I shout yeah. out to Jake Newman, man, who also played, you know, quarterback. And uh, Corey Oaks played, uh, I mean, not quarterback, excuse me, played baseball. Uh, Jake Newman played quarterback and baseball. Uh, uh, um, Corey Oates, uh, baseball, hell of a baseball player. Um, and, and I just want, oh, Nick Downs, shout out to Nick Downs, who also played a uh, uh, shortstop. So let's start out with a shortstop position, man, because that's a leadership position. Right. Uh, um, you in charge of defense, et cetera. So, uh, and, and you gotta have an arm, you gotta anticipate the game, et cetera. So what are some of the transferable skills that you saw and learned from as it relates to baseball that transition to football? feet it's all feet it's uh it's weight transfer it's um you know like you said predicting stuff uh what's gonna happen uh, you gotta be on at all times you know you're not playing out for you gotta be on at all times but you know the, the big thing that you know rad taught me was try to find you know the best people at what they do. So whenever we talk about quarterbacks and like weight transferring, well, who's the best weight transferring guys in the world? It's at Major League Baseball power hitters, you know? So they're transferring so much weight and so much power in, in such a quick step on, at the plate. I actually, that's one of, the, one of the first things I teach my quarterbacks is how to transfer weight and how to step and push off and all that stuff. So. Not only is short when you're in the field, but when you're hitting too, you're, you're just taking that sit that short, you know, six inch step and transferring weight and trying to stay balanced. So I think that really helped me out, um, you know, playing the game of football too. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So do you have, I'm gonna ask Jake, and Jake had a real good one. Um, I'm gonna ask you, can you remember a play uh, where the situation was 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 tense, it was it was like you know very important. Where um, I talk about this idea of flow state, and for a lot of us, and I and let me tell you something, my brother. On that day against Duquesne, <laughs> you epitomized the theory of flow state when everything slows down to the point where you you was. I mean, dude, I, I just remember this. I uh, I could re picture. Uh, Taiwan's feet breaking down on a route and, and you just anticipating him. I can picture Dante Settles running a route. And when I remember looking at those numbers, both of those guys had over 100 yards receiving. Mm -hmm. And again, you epitomize that theory of slow state, a flow mm -hmm. state, excuse me. So can you picture or describe a baseball situation like that where everything slowed down? It might have been a play where, you know, the situation, everything slowed down and you just, you know, everything just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was, it was a big game. It was a summer league game. We were I was probably in high school, maybe 15, 16. 
and I was a second base. And um, we were playing, I think, one of the bigger, maybe Kennedy Township or something like that. And uh, it was late. We were up by one. And it was probably one of my favorite plays ever, you know, in baseball was there was a guy on first and I was playing second base. And I think we um, were in the last inning or whatever. And <clears throat> this guy hits a liner. I mean, an absolute shot. And I, I had to jump for the ball and I caught it. And on my way down, I landed on my heels, right? So I started to fall backwards, but I had, I still had the ball in my glove and I transitioned from the ball, my glove to my hand and threw over the first falling backwards to, to get the double play. And <laughs> I didn't think up, nothing of it because it was kind of jump, catch, and then go get that guy first. And I got up, my team was looking at me and first baseman looked at me and was like, wow. And I still remember his face. I still remember his face. He's looking right at me. I'm like, he just said, wow. And I was like, oh, that was a that was a good play. So everybody <laughs> went wild, man. And, and it was so many, you know, good plays playing baseball. It was, I love the sport. I just can't watch it now. It's, it's tough. It's yeah, tough. I can imagine, man. Yeah. So did it slow down for you? Yeah, because again, you, you're kind of, in baseball, you're always wondering what to do with the ball when you get it, right? You know, when you're playing the infield, where's the ball got to go? Who's where? And I think that, you know, I already had that plan in mind if I got a, you know, a shot to me and it ended up happening. And I think playing short and second and those kind of hot liner places, you always have that mentality of where am I going with the ball and um, what, what happens after I get it. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a fun play, man. That's dope, man. I love that. Love that. Yes, sir. So, okay. So, Javelin. So, you said it was interesting, man. Again, shout out to Brian Cleary, who, uh, you know, was all, all NEC uh, Javelin thrower. And uh, he got a chance to also describe, you know, the, the so if you were to describe somebody to someone who never heard of j the Javelin, right. um, what is the process, the technique, and... Uh, I'm gonna ask you also about a flow state moment with that one as well. Uh, <laughs> Javelin, it's the the thing that was different is your arm angle is so different than throwing anything else. You know, baseball and football, <laughs> you're basically throwing everything down, mm -hmm. and then javelin, you're throwing it up. You know, at a certain angle, and. and you're following through up within baseball and football, you're following everything, follow through everything down. And so that was quite a transition. So it kind of like took, I said, how hard can this be? You're just trying to throw a, you know, a spear through the air. And I could never get it to turn over and land and, you know, and, and spike in the ground. I, w I was okay at it. I won all my dual meets and stuff, but I didn't make any of the big time uh, track meets, but, um, and then you're crossing over your feet constantly on the run-up, crossing over, crossing over. So, you know, in football, that's something you don't want to do. Right. No, you don't want to do. You know, if Rad saw you crossing over, he'd kill you. you know? <laughs> so we weren't even allowed, you know, we're not even allowed to do karaoke whenever right, Rad was right. around. 
the, the crossover, crossover, cross, you know, you can, but again, you're still transferring weight at the end and throwing. So you really gotta, it's way different. You gotta track your steps and, and figure out how, how long it's gonna take you to, you know, build enough enough speed and, and throw it. And then you, you can't foul either. Mm. You gotta stay behind the line. So you gotta right. step that out too. So way different, just a way different. I, I love watching some of those guys um, throw it as far as they do. I think just the sales for so far. I mean, it's it's great to watch. I will actually watch that in the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Again, you talk about this transfer energy and you know, in a burst and and mm -hmm. and um, you know, and as they said, how you train the quarterbacks and it kind of makes sense that. Yeah, cool. So let's get into. So when did you start? What grade did you start playing football? And, and you say you started tight end, right? Yeah, sixth grade, uh, tight end. We had okay. about a couple games that year. That was about it because we didn't have many kids. Gotcha. And then, uh, you know, seventh grade came around, and you know, my dad worked with me a lot with with, with throwing a football. Obviously, he was way better at it than I was. Um, and then so we worked on it, worked on it. In eighth grade, I went for it, and I ended up getting it. And uh, you know, at that age, eighth grade, if you can throw a good ball, you're gonna you're gonna light some people up. You know, yeah. usually, yeah. you know, seventh, eighth grade, if you have a quarterback, you're pretty good. Uh, we were pretty good in eighth grade. Um, you know, still was still captain school. You know, football, it wasn't, it was okay, it wasn't that great. Uh, but it made an all-star team, and um, it was that was fun to play and see kind of some of the other guys and what, how big and strong and, and tall they were and stuff. And yeah, and then the transition happened to uh, kind of high school football. Yeah, man, let's yeah. get into that. So uh, get to high school, still playing small ball, Catholic mm -hmm. school. So um, what what is your freshman year like? So freshman year, I go down and I I'm starting a new school. So I, I, I didn't go to, to the Chartiers Valley uh, public school, so I didn't know anybody. And uh, I go to practice, and I told them I want to play quarterback. And so ended up winning the position. Um, had an, We had an unbelievable team, unbelievable year. There were a bunch of touchdowns. Um, you know, got a look from the, the high school coach, but he already had a, a kind of a backup in play. You know, in high school, so I stayed down there. I think we went five and one or six and one or something like that. Had a nasty concussion, nasty. Mm. Uh, I was out, and I was out so bad that I woke up the next day, Damn. and uh, I'm like, I'm asking my mom because I woke up late, and I was like, Ma, I got to get to school. I have a game today, and she's like. Nah, just just sit down. My mom, I gotta go to school. Like, what are we doing? She's like, you already played yesterday. And I was like, what? It was that type of concussion where I remember nothing. Wow. And you know, she had. A, I don't know if someone had shown me film of the game or something like that. Like, I, I didn't. I didn't believe it. It was such a, a shock. And um, so I sat to sit out a, a game that year, but because of that but um you know going into sophomore year had a really good athletic quarterback 
Um, he ended up playing in at Westminster, uh, which was wow. yeah, which is cool. Um, and so backed him up and got in a couple games. He got because he got hurt. Uh, had one win against Steel Valley. Got hit so hard from this kid named Amir Purifoy from Steel Valley. Man, I'll tell you what, he went to pit. Um, he he just destroyed me. My dad still remembers those hits. But then uh, I also got in versus West A, and I was just talking to Coach Palco about this the other day because I'm recru- I still talk to him because I recruit his kids. But it was a kid named Ben Herbert. It's funny how you remember guys that destroyed you, right? Good right. <laughs> <laughs> name, Ben Herbert. And, and our, our quarterback got hurt right before halftime. So he's like, all right, you're going in the second half. And West Day was obviously, you know, top of their game at that point. They were looking for champion stuff. This kid was 6'6", probably 260, 275 at the time. Uh, bald head, completely just yoked up. Mirdo, you know, played with him. He knows who he is. Uh, I was on a rollout, and uh, he was coming from my inside, so I didn't see him. And no one was open, so I just threw it to the ground in front of our one of our receivers. And as soon as I let the ball go, this guy hit me so hard that he missed the wrap. He missed the wrap. I hit the ground so hard, so fast, that he did not have time to even get his arms around me. <laughs> so I'm like, man, what did I get myself into? This is... This is big boy football now, man. Yeah, but, uh, man. <laughs> yeah, so sophomore year went around, and then junior year ended up starting. Um, had some good games, threw for some big yardages. Senior year came around, uh, threw for like 333 yards in the first game. Thought we were on to something, and then st- still did not win many games and didn't throw the ball very much. So that was, you know, one of the last game of my career, and, and that was that for high school. Um, and then moved on to Bobby Moe. Yeah, man. Yep. So, okay. So you, you said your senior, your junior senior, you guys didn't win. You only won one game. One game. Ooh, before we get to Bobby Moe, bro, we can't, we can't skip that, dude. Your, mor- <laughs> your, mor- mor- your morale as a yeah. team and as an in- individual. How the hell do you survive going one in nineteen in two years? I don't know, man. It was rough. I mean, we were we used to get made fun of by you know everybody. We stank and stuff like that. But we had a bunch of guys that loved football. We just didn't have a big team. You know, we had we were played in a conference where it was a, it was a big big conference, big dudes. <clears throat> we had linemen that were 200, 210 pounds. Oh. We just didn't match up. You know, we didn't match yeah. up. We had some good skill, but we just didn't match up. And we were in a lot of games, man. We just could never, ever pull it out. Oh, Lord have mercy. I'm, I'm just know, winning about... is contag- Winning is contagious, but so is losing. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, dude. I'm just psychologically putting myself, because I played in high school on some, some bad teams. But, yeah. I mean, one in 19 in two years, yeah. the motivation to get up every you know, they doing football season to go through that grind and all season knowing that. I mean, that I'm saying, you know, that is a, a, a test of some true grit. You know, anybody that really know, oh my That's God, tough. I know that had to be tough, man. Yeah, that was that tough. That had to be tough. That yeah, tough. so, so 
you go one in 19. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna ask this the way I ask everybody. How the hell did you end up at Robert Moore? Because I wanted to win. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. Dude. Yeah, right. I wanted That's to win. Right. I still remember like recruiting process. I'm like, yeah, yeah, describe that. <laughs> yeah, so you know, I was getting recruited by all the D3s, about five D2s, and that was about it, right? Um, and I was 6'2, 170. I was, I was, I thought I was pretty good, but obviously I was I was kind of in that mold, kind of D2, D3 guy. Um, went on a lot of visits, and then <clears throat> Robert Morris contacted some uh, my high school coach because he used to uh, coach a Robert Morris, maybe for like a year back in the day. And um, who's that? Todd. Uh, Man, what was his name? Well, it was Shiro in my my uh, sophomore and junior year, and then I can't remember my senior year head coach Todd. Uh, oh man, I can't remember him. But I don't think you would remember him because I think he was like maybe a volunteer for like a half a season or something. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so they, he, I don't know if he contacted them or, or, or they contacted whatever. So me and my buddy went up for uh, a recruiting visit. And the first thing, the first time I went up there was just a general recruiting day, uh, you know, in the big ballroom in uh, John Jay. You know, Rad came in and talked and Walton came in and talked and then they showed the highlight film. <laughs> I still remember the highlight film. <laughs> These dudes are flying. <laughs> lying around I'm like I'm talking to my buddy I'm like these guys are, is it just me or is it they seem like su- super fast <laughs> Opio's up there like Levchek like uh, I mean Timmy Hall I mean these guys are just burners I'm like wow okay these guys got some dudes alright <laughs> here we go so had a good day that day and then came up for an overnight maybe uh I don't remember what month it was, but I, I know you remember what day it was. It was fight night. <laughs> yes, sir. Fight night. So and this we is go. 2000, off. correct? No, this was 90. Oh, yeah, this would be 2000. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This would be 2000, right? So we get <laughs> up there, and I still remember this, man. I and mean, I still remember turning around. We're in the gym at John Jay. And me and my uh, my teammate are there. We're, we're there for uh, recruiting, and all of a sudden, I turn around and there's these dudes that come in. They're chanting something, something about B four. Like I think it's, it's sweet. And I'm like, who are these dudes? And sure enough, man, here comes smoke, horse, like all these big yoked up dudes come flying in. Like, oh, and I'm like, this these people are awesome. <laughs> I love it. Who crazy, was fighting? Do you remember who was fighting? Ah, uh, I, 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 I do not remember who was fighting, but uh, it was probably <laughs> I think it was one of their boys because um, they were like literally ringside, like going crazy gotcha. with them and all that stuff. Yeah. I'm like at that point, I'm like these guys got energy. These guys are awesome. <laughs> I want to be here. Yeah. <laughs> 
and Coach Hendershot cool. recruited me, so I was okay, like, cool, cool, I walked cool. off to him, and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm in, man. Let's go. Let's <laughs> the fight yeah, night pretty much sold it. Cool. Hey, yep. man, for those who don't know, fight night is a night where in the school year, students get to call someone out, and you can box each other in front mm -hmm. of the whole school, and that was a very popular event. I, I hope it comes back if it's not there anymore. Um, but yeah, that was a powerful recruiting tool. So yeah, man. So that was that great, was man. sold you. Cool, yeah, cool, man. All right, shout out to uh, Eric Hendershot, my yep. former teammate and former graduate assistant Robert Morris. Um, yeah, man. So you get there, uh, two thousand one, right? Two thousand. Two thousand. So okay, perfect. Yeah. So your first year is my first year back uh, yep. as a graduate assistant. I remember. You know, like uh, on the Cleary interview, I mentioned, uh, you know, pulling up to, uh, uh, in front of John Jay yep. and Cleary handed me a clipboard like, yo, freshman, here you go, they get checking in. I'm like, dude, I ain't checking my room yet. What's up, golly? <laughs> so uh, I remember getting to camp, man. I remember, you know, getting refamiliarizing myself with certain things and, you know, people I knew, et cetera. And I remember the energy from camp day one was crazy the electricity in the air you yeah. know defense especially mm -hmm. was just and i'm like this is not a team that i knew what the hell is this we're gonna go three and ten mm -hmm. this is a damn shame because i'm like they were so different from when i played right and needless to say you know to go undefeated man but what do you remember about your freshman year the undefeated season from camp yeah, so we I show up at camp and they had freshmen come in two days earlier. Yep, two days early I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, we move in and uh, we get going and practice and it's real calm and it's real, you know, a lot of teaching going on with Walton and Rad and you know all the the wide-eyed freshmen are lining up just trying to you know do some good things and um, I think we had three freshman quarterback or three new quarterbacks that year and we stay after and I throw and uh, so it was good the first two days and then here it come the upperclassmen day three and I'm like dear god what the hell is this here it comes and I've heard everybody say it too Opio and Scott Conchet <laughs> walking through the cafeteria door and all the freshmen are like, who, who the hell are these guys? <laughs> we, everybody has the same story about Conchak. Yep, yep. <laughs> but Opio came in, and I was like, what position you play? You look like a D lineman or something. He's like, no, I'm a receiver. I'm like, you're a receiver? <laughs> Jesus, God. Oh, man. <laughs> Oh, God, that's, the, that's, the, that's always one of my favorites, yo. Shout out to Opio, Gary, can't wait to get him on. But, uh, I mean, a receiver, again, Opio was a Division One receiver. Yeah. Hands down, without a shadow of a doubt. But, yeah, he put in that work in that weight room. What was he, 6'3", 6'2", 6'3"? No, not that tall. About not that tall? 6'1", 6'2", 6'1", 6'2", but he was solid, man. He was now, yoked up, man. Yeah, Jeez. man. Yeah, and Conchak yeah, came in with his tattoos and his hair. And yeah, obviously I knew a position he played. And then you know, <laughs> one by one, I think up, you know, 
the upperclassmen came in and then every, all the, you know, everybody, all the freshmen's heads started getting real low. And you know, who are these guys, man? Oh, I know and exactly. then it got exactly real loud. Practice got Yo, real loud yeah. after that. <laughs> and those guys knew exactly what they were doing too, of course. Yep. That was all intentional, boy. But that year, again, as you know, they, that swag was real. Yeah. It was not forced. It was not fake. And again, I was like, these guys are gonna get killed. We offense better be good. And you know, lo and behold, to see, you know, game by game, you know, guys knowing when to be serious and you know, things coming together, man. Uh, so what what are some of your fondest memories from that season, from your vantage point as a freshman, man? You you what do you what do you remember? Yeah, so freshman year, we only traveled, I think, three quarterbacks, and I did not travel. So, scouting. Okay, I'll talk about scouting for a second because everybody's got to pay their damn dues. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was, uh, and I don't think this guy gets enough credit because I haven't heard too many guys talk about him, but there's two dudes that I hated, you know, that first year because they were literally, you know, scouting. They, they would kill you. Uh, smoke would kill me. I mean, he would tackle me, light me up. And then Brad Miller. Brad Miller would destroy us. I mean, he <laughs> was, you know, he was a no-nonsense guy. He wouldn't smile, joke. He would just, he was huge. He would just light dudes up. And um, so that first year was a lot of scout team work, a lot of just kind of getting better at my own craft. And I didn't learn the offense very much that first year because I didn't get many reps at it. Right. And then watching um, my kind of welcome to college football moment was, uh, you know, Walton had those big boy throws, a lot of those big boy throws in his past game, you know, 15 yard outs to the field, comebacks, you know, big ends and stuff like that. And, um, watching Tim Levchek throw a football that I've never seen to this day anybody match. And I've been a football for a while now. He could. Brother, man, yeah. let me let you talk. Let me let you talk. Go ahead, brother. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think Mirdo said this, and you could hear his football. You could hear it. And, um, you know, Walton had us doing some some NFL-type stuff, man, like waggling away and then throwing back to the field. And, and, it, and this kid, this guy would just – his arm strength was incredible. Absolutely incredible. I mean, he was his feet were good, um, good dude. It was just it, I, we were just kind of in awe of watching him. That's basically what I did that first year. When you say about memories, like I just remember watching him a lot because I didn't get a whole lot of reps. But Tim obviously knew the, the offense and played for it a while. And it was his arm, and it was absolutely incredible to watch him throw football. But that's so kind of my memories with Scout Team and, and Tim Levchuk and all that stuff. Yeah. Let, let's talk a little bit about Levchuk, man. Mm. Like, so, again, you said something again. And you saying it because I, I got chills when you mm. said it. Because I'm like, okay, he's about to say, dude, I've never, as much as I've been around football, and mm. I'm a Florida kid, I've never seen or heard anything like that. No, I'm gonna tell you. I remember one time it was a spring practice, and I think it was oh shit, 
I, it, it was definitely a spring practice. And I just remember it was, the wind was blowing really bad on the field. And the, and Tim had to throw against the wind. And right. I, this was a bad headwind. I saw him throw a 50, 60 yard pass to Opio. Mm. But it, it went into the wind and just dropped right when it was supposed to. And I'm like, how did that happen? The ball just knew against the wind. It still went the distance, but dropped it perfectly. And I'm like, how did how did he physically do that? That was amazing. Yeah, it, it was something to behold to watch that guy throw a football. Yeah. He, uh, there, there was just games where you would un not understand how he fit those balls in or, you know, this was still kind of the time of, thousand you know it wasn't kind of air raid chucked the ball around yet so you know a lot of the stuff that he was doing was was great absolutely great and um again i've been around i've been up close with you know big ben seeing him throw in person right there i mean i've and, and I, I still have never seen anybody throw football like that Hey, if you say, okay, see, that makes me feel even mm -hmm. better. You say you've seen it up close, then Rockenberg throw the ball. And you, right. So, okay. So, because you know what it makes me think of the movie uh, Trouble with the Curve. Yeah. Um, um, and and the, the, the sound coming out your hand, it's a mm -hmm. pure sound. Left check has it. I, mm -hmm. I, I'm, again, the purity of throwing that ball. Yeah, that, that's, mm -hmm. that's, I, Brett Favre, I heard a uh, shout out to Delonte Perkins, mm. who might say that uh, Brett Favre probably had that same thing because um, he caught some passes from him. But right. that's the closest thing I've heard. So yeah, I have man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool man. So yeah. let me ask you this: So as a guy, we already established, man, you really didn't get a lot of playing time. You know, left check in front of you, junior year, senior, saw your freshman and sophomore year. And then um, 2002, I'm gone, so I don't know what's going on with the program. So, but before that, when do you feel mentally, intellectually, that you truly had a grasp of the system that if you got your chance, you could do some things? But when you truly feel comfortable that you knew everything going on with the system? Good story about that. Ready? So, this was when Madden was able to build your own playbook. Do you remember that? You could do all that stuff. Yeah. All that. I mean, all oh. of that. So what I did my freshman year was I put Walton's playbook into Madden going into my uh, freshman spring season. So spring ball. So I put, them, I put everything in there. And in the spring, uh tim was awesome you know trying to help me out and then that helped me out so i would say going into my sophomore year i really started to to pick everything up and know everything up and then that sophomore year i ended up backing tim up so i think at that point was the was the moment i was like all right i can do this thing you know forwards and backwards so i would say and i always tell all my kids this the biggest jump that you're gonna get is from freshman to sophomore in college because you're coming from a high school offense that probably isn't that complicated in high school coming to a college offense so sure you'll pick some things up you'll know what you're running maybe as a freshman but you're not gonna know why 
why am I running this? Why is this split this? Or, um, you know, why do I have to get my buddy open? You know, all that stuff. So, you know, that freshman spring season, spring, spring ball was great. I learned everything, got a lot of reps. And then, like I said, sophomore year, kind of pushed it hard in the summer and then came in and was ready to go. Obviously, Tim was still there. I knew my place. But, um, yeah, that was, that was probably the, 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 the best transition from freshman to sophomore year. Okay, now, now two things. Can you still do that on the Madden game, number one? No. Oh, I don't think so. God. I don't well, think dude, so. Well, dude, I'm going to tell you, you might be on to something because I, that would be a dope-ass simulation if, if to be able to create something like that, you know, and, and put in the... Yeah, we, we'll talk more about that, but right. we'll talk more about that. Because I'm, I'm going to tell you, I mean, let's, let's go with the, the, the statistics. And I'm a sociologist, so I, it's, it's hard for me to miss this link. How many guys do we know miss actual football practice to play Madden? Right. Right? That's right. how much and how addicting this game is. So... If you're going to do it and to truly learn the mental aspects of seeing the X's and O's, because that's a problem that a lot of guys have is making that transition of understanding the physicality of the game versus the X's and O's and thinking of mm -hmm. and anticipating and knowing what the map is, right? So if they're doing it anyway, you know, I mean, just we talking about I'm still trying to separate myself from this, this idea that I'm talking about, we're going to talk about later. <laughs> but that is how, I mean, that makes so much sense to me of why you was able to learn the, 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 the Yeah, system. it really helped out. Man. Absolutely. Really Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm going to encourage you, brother. I don't know how, again, again, we're going to talk offline. I'm getting yeah. I'm getting way too far ahead of myself, man. But that's dope as hell, man. That, yeah. That's how you learn the game. That's yeah. so dope. So dope. So um, so now let's, let's get into the frustration of you know that you can Tim is gone. Again, I don't know what's after, but in your heart of hearts, you know you can be on the field and you're not on the field. How did you deal with that? I didn't deal with it too well at the time. I mean, it was it, it obviously when you're, you know, junior year, you're probably what? I was probably 20, 21 years old. Um, you know, you want to play, you feel you can play, and it's not happening. So it's tough. So you, you try to kind of focus on some other things. And, um, you know, my, I met my, you know, my beautiful wife, Robert Morris, and she helped me kind of focus on academics um, at that time. And because I didn't start out really well at Robert Morris uh, academically. And she kind of pointed me in the right direction, helped me out. And um, But it's tough, like, going through all that that practice and, um, you know, trying to sit there and, and, and be the backup to a guy, you know, to a freshman and uh, knowing that you could play, seeing things way differently than a freshman does because he's a freshman. Yeah. It's normal. It is what it is. Yep. Uh, and, and, and we were okay. I mean, we were, we weren't, weren't too good. Uh, weren't too bad, but it was just, it was rough, you know? And then you hope that the next year, or maybe senior year, you end up showing more. Um, but I'm also not an idiot too. Like, you know, freshman comes in and starts, you know, 
if he does somewhat decent, they're probably going to stick with him. Obviously now in the coaching ranks, you, you know, I, I know that more than ever. So, you know, it still kind of worked and, and still kind of, you know, got bigger and, and, and tried to get stronger. And senior year, I thought I had a real good camp. <clears throat> um, went to Geneva, had a real good scrimmage. Uh, but, you know, he started, started Drew, you know, that senior year, my senior year. And there was another kid, Sean Abikarian, uh, like a Juco kid. He was kind of in the mix, too. Well, one thing that frustrated me was uh, there was a, you know, it was on and off. Like, the, they weren't consistent. They would have a good series and then a bad series and then a good series and a bad series. And there was no consistency in the quarterback play. And I think that or if, if I would have got the opportunity earlier, I think that would have, I would have solidified that. But. Um, you know, the one, the one moment that kind of sticks out was the, the St. Peter's game, right? So we go to St. Peter's and dude, it was old school turf, mm. old school turf. Mm-mm-mm. And it was about a hundred degrees. Oh, that's the, uh, take your skin off. Oh, it was nasty. Mm. Oh, I, I still that's, remember that's- <laughs> so we get into that game, and you know the Q's weren't having a good game. And at halftime, I think Rad or, or somebody convinced Walton to put me in, and so I went in and you know brought us back, had a good game. Um, we ended up winning and came back. And on Monday, you know I think Ronnie called me and said Walton wants to wants to wants to talk to you, so come on in. So I go in and. Um, it, we didn't have practice. I, I know he just came in during the day and he talked to me. He said, I, I know what I'm going to do with you. I'm going to use you as my uh, my uh, my bullpen. Okay. And I'm like, what do you mean your bullpen? He's like, well, I'm going to I'm going to stick with Drew. And if Drew, you know, isn't having a good game, then I'll throw you in there. And I'm like, coach, that doesn't make any sense to me. Why would you, knowing that I could do what I do and why take that chance and he's like well he didn't like that you know he didn't like me <laughs> you know talking to him and I was like so I, I it didn't end well between me and Walton in that conversation so I go back in the locker room and I grab my stuff and I throw it um, at Ray Butter and mm. I said I'm done it's it this was, this was what, third, fourth game, second, third, fourth game. I go, Ray, I'm done. Just take my stuff. And I walk out. And uh, I still remember walking back to the dorm. And back by the dorms, there was a, you know where they, where the old, old school basketball courts were? The outdoor ones? Vaguely. Yeah. The outdoor vaguely, ones vaguely, on top vaguely. of the hill by the soccer field. Yes, 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 yes. So I go down there and um, I walk in the woods. I walk, go down there, I walk in the woods. I'm just walking through those woods. And I'm, I'm fuming, man. I'm, what am I going to do? You know, it, should I quit or should I just, you know, keep going? And, and I was down there for two hours. Two hours I was down there just roaming. And, uh, you know, one thing that kept on popping in my mind was, I don't think I could tell my parents that I quit something. 
And I don't know if it's something they instilled in me or whatever, but um, I just couldn't come come to do it. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't quit the game of football. And so I walked back out, went to the dorms. I think we had practice or, or film or something and just kind of kept to myself for about a week. And um, and then, I, you know, you kind of get over it. You know, as a 22-year-old, 21-year-old, you kind of get over it. And uh, got in a little bit of Albany, and uh, then came Duquesne. I don't remember. I don't remember why or how. I don't maybe remember who we played before Duquesne. I really don't. And, but obviously, something happened. And walking into uh, meetings on Monday, where we watched the film of the game before, Walton's in the basketball court, and John Jay and he grabs me and he's like, "Hey, uh, you're starting." I'm like, "Cool." And that's all I said to him. And I just walked. And then from that point on, you know, I just kind of used that as, you know, motivation to, you know, looking back on it, maybe I shouldn't have wanted to stick it to everybody. Maybe that wasn't a great way to go about it. But at that moment. Hey, I, I disagree, but go ahead, brother. <laughs> I 100% disagree with you. But yeah, go ahead, brother. I, I wanted to basically just shove it in everybody's face, you know? And and what that week of practice, it, I was no nonsense. Um, we were just going over the game plan and it was cold that week of practice. And I still remember the last motivational thing of that week for was we were watching Friday on Friday. We were watching Thursday's practice and uh, we're, I'm thrown into the wind in the snow on top of John Jay. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, Walt, and, and, and we do one of those waggle throwback 15 yards and the ball ends up being short and uh, or something like that. And, and Walton was like, hey, that's not going to – can't do that in the game. It's not going to work in the game. I'm like, all right, man, this is it. Like, I've had kind of had enough. So, at that point, it was kind of like, I'm just going to show him. I'm going to show everybody – and um, and that was, you know, obviously next day was the game and went down there and did what we did. Oh, hell no. You know damn well that's not how that story going to end. <laughs> because let me tell you what happened. So this is what, 90, no, this is 2003, I think, or two. Three. Two. Okay, yeah. so I'm in D.C. working and again, working two jobs, working hard as hell, finally making the opportunity to catch a game. I said, I got to see these boys play. I ain't seen them in a while. I remember pulling up to Duquesne. The first person I see is CC. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Carl Cannell. And he talking about, you know, it's Robert Moore's love all day, but he coaching at Duquesne at the yeah. time. And like, y'all not winning this. I'm just letting y'all know. Y'all not talking mad shit. Yep. I remember the Robert Moore's bus pulling up. And guys that I recognize and recognize me, I can see some, a whole bunch of guys that I don't recognize, but the ones recognize me came right up to me. Sammy D came up. Uh, 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 who else came Taiwan, up to me? Uh, Taiwan came up. Yeah, Dante came up. Uh, 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 Jean-Jacques, uh, some yep. guys I didn't know. Here's the thing, and I look forward to uh, Mike uh, Nichols, right? Yep. That, yeah, so Nicholas, Nicholas, he didn't, yeah, yeah Nicholas, and yeah. he didn't know me, but he came up right up to me, introduced me, and I said, number 11, oh, that's right, mm -hmm. I, I know about you. 
Got so it was that, oh yep. yeah, he was. And so the fact he walked up to me was respect and I knew who he was, which was automatic respect. And so yeah. I just remember that energy night game. Oh my God, there's nothing more special than a Saturday night, night game, college Robert Morris football game against Duquesne yep. rival. And I just remember the energy of that game was very familiar, like 97, I mean, 96 when we won the bowl game. And seeing you at quarterback, like I said, man, watching you light up that defense, it was almost like Madden PlayStation-esque, the way you dissected that, that defense, man. Again, I vividly remember Taiwan. I vividly remember uh, 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 Daldo. I vividly remember uh, 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 settles, man, catching those passes and looking up those statistics and, and seeing like, how many did he throw for? And I saw that first number was four. I said, yeah. no, nah, I'm supposed to be in the 500. What's <laughs> up? What happened? So I remember those penalties, man, and some of those things that were called back, yeah. man, but I'm telling you, and I've been dying to say this, right. finally, the greatest quarterback performance that I have ever witnessed in my life. I'm proud to say that. There is no close second, the greatest quarterback performance with my own eyes that I've ever seen, brother. Nah, my legs, man. <laughs> I'm giving, hey, I, bro, I look, I told you, I'm just, we speaking straight facts on this, man, for yeah. real. It was, it was, you was a, a, a architect that game. You was a surgeon, brother. You. You slice their asses up. It was beautiful to watch, man. Yeah, we we were obviously ready to roll. Yes, sir. You know, Taiwan and Dante before the game and talking to me and they, like, I, we got you, we got you, Ricky, Rupert, you know, Sammy D, all those guys, man, they're great. Um, Mirror and Walkhouse had to sit out for the first half, uh, which was, you know, tough on us, but other guys came in and played really well. Um, you know, we were obviously I was real nervous when we started the game, but um, just like what I try to do, you know, calling plays now is try to try to get my cue a couple easy throws. You know, so I completed a couple balls early and got hit, you know, early and kind of got into it and um, got behind heavily early. I think we had. I threw one a little high to Dante and he it tipped up in the air and, and they picked it. And then I think one, um, Rob Corona fumbled it and they picked it up and scored. We were down like 14 nothing quick. And then, you know, we started doing what we do. And uh, it, it was easy in regards to, because I knew what type of receivers we had. I mean, our receivers yeah. were, you talk about Taiwan, Dante, Ricky. I mean, these guys, they were great. Um, hey, real quick, let's stop you. Yeah. One by one, what was special about each one? One by well, all right, we'll start with Taiwan. Taiwan was your 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 big play guy, all right. And, and you knew that he would beat anybody on the field at any time, right? <laughs> but he still had a little bit of the um, the possession guy in him too. He he was just he, he was so fast, so quick. Sometimes you're a little bit behind him because of that. You know, he was, he was just so so dynamic and electric. Um, I love giving Dante the ball in space. 
<laughs> that kid can make an entire defense mess. <laughs> And you saw that through his whole career of playing running Hell backs. Yeah, yes, sir. He actually turned into man. His his route running turned into be something special too. Um, I still remember the the stop and go he he scored against um, Duquesne. Yes, I just sir. had to put him in his vicinity. He literally made the corner fall down. Yes, I remember he made that play. Fall down. You. <laughs> he made yes, him sir. fall down. Yes. Uh, Ricky was. One of those possession guys that was just so physical. I mean, the kid would catch every single ball. I, I, I honestly, going through four years, man, I, I can't tell you how many times he dropped the ball. Bro, I I, I remember him early. Yeah. I remember Ricky early. Because, mm -hmm. again, the swag. Yep. Catch it, throw the ball. Catch mm -hmm. it, throw it catch it throw it it was nothing like this is what i do this is business as usual and i just remember that he just had that calm uh, uh swag about him like you know I, and i just yeah i love that about him man yeah that boy didn't miss nothing no nah, he was yeah, he was a great man. receiver he was a no-nonsense guy too i mean he was he'd show up practice practice show up the games do his thing yeah and get out but yeah, so all three of those guys were really, I mean, it was easy throwing to them because um, they were, they just, they were great receivers, the three of them. Um, you know, especially, you know, a lot of the ones that I think of was the two touchdowns. Um, the one that Dante was, I didn't have to do much. I just had to put it to him with the stop and go. And then uh, Taiwan caught one late. I kind of threaded that in the back of the end zone. He went up and caught it. And then Ricky, I still remember Ricky's touchdown because his dad came up to me before the game. He goes, I know you're going to throw a touchdown to Ricky. I just know it. I'm like, all right, let's see if we can do that. <laughs> so we run a we, we run a waggle go. And, you know, it's not supposed to go versus a cover two defense. You're supposed to set back. So at least they started playing quarters, you know, in the first half when we were slicing them up. And then with the cover two in the second half. And uh, so we, I waggled left and we had a go route on the outside release the corner. And um, the safety was too far over top. So I threw him back in and he caught it. And then he, all he had to do was basically run up the hash and walked in. And um, so yeah, the, you know, throwing those guys, like I said, throwing those guys, man, it was, they made it really easy that game because they were just slicing and dicing. And we could not run the ball that game. We just could not. I don't know what it was. Uh, Sammy D couldn't get on track. It just um, his hamstring was hurt. Yeah, we just we, we tr I mean we tried and tried. We just couldn't get it rolling um, on the ground. But uh, we were slicing through the air, so I think we stuck with that in the second half. And uh, there's one play that I still remember most vividly in that game. It's. Um, so we were waggling right. I forget what play. Dante was on the left. He was on the backside. He was running like a like an in route. And uh, I was in the cadence. I was, uh, you know, scanning the defense. And me and the inside linebacker locked eyes <laughs> for like two seconds. Okay. And we, we locked eyes. And uh, I'm like, that's, that's weird. Like, why is he? <laughs> you know what I mean? 
So as soon as I said hut, he blitzed right into the pulling guards gap, right? And I had my eyes on him as soon as I said hut. And he came flying in untouched and I spun back away from the waggle side and he, he flew right by me. And uh, and then I, I stepped up and I hit, I hit Dante on the, on, the, on the end on the backside. And that was one of those plays I was like, nah, now, now we're rolling now. Like, here we go. <laughs> That's the one, you know, big play that, you know, I can remember, man, all right, this is this is going good. <laughs> this is going real yeah, good. Man. Yeah, man. So I'm going to assume, again, ultimate flow state, man. Yeah. This moment, things are slowing down. It's clicking. Um, um, like, you know, on TV, they show it. They try to show what that looks like as far mm -hmm. as Hollywood. Um, but um, do you have any conversations with yourself pre-snap? Like, what, 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 what is your process? Like, I'm just... Just for that game when things are clicking, what are you thinking as far as uh, what were you thinking? You know, as no, I think that I honestly think that when you're in those you know zones or whatever, <clears throat> the best way to stay in them is you know to be cold. You know, I use that term a lot in football, like non-emotional. Um, don't get too high, don't get too low. But during that game, I, I mean, in, in the way I coach too is, is is not to get too high, you know, emotional, and, and don't let those emotions you know, overtake what you're trying to get accomplished. And because you're gonna in, in a football game, you're gonna have huge ups, huge downs. Um, you just gotta stay focused and stay, you know, on, on a straight and narrow. And you know, I always tell my cues, we gotta be cold. We, we can't be out. We can't be the flashy guys out there. Um, we, we gotta stay you know, on point. And I think that game, like, I still remember, like, my buddy came to that game. He's like, why'd you never celebrate anything? Because I, I just, I would throw a touchdown and I would walk to the sideline and just sit on the bench and just literally just try to stay focused on what, what, was, what was going on and then go out there and try to, I knew it was the last time I was going to play. It was the last time. And so you try to get in that zone, man, and it was, um, if I can remember one thing, it was literally just trying to stay consistent through the whole game, what we were trying to get accomplished. Like, I didn't talk to Walton very much that game. I didn't talk to other coaches that much that game, like other players. Like, I just kind of sit down and get ready for the next series. Hey, I can't remember if it was Taiwan or, or uh, Settles who talked about there was some time in a huddle where, or something on the sideline where Walton was questioning something and you just like, no, I, I got this. We good. I got this. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, <laughs> he, uh, he did that, I think in late in the game. And at this point, you know, sometimes, you know, Walton, I love, you know, I like Walton and he did a lot of good things for me, but sometimes he would get kind of flustered, you know, on the sidelines a little bit. And so I don't think I was like telling him to like be quiet or anything. I was just trying to calm him down and I got a coach. I got the next one. Oh yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. You wouldn't be in disrespect. Right. Right. I was just trying to, like, I got you coach. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We got this coach. We got this. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And of course he heard you, you know, right, cause right. he lets you do your thing. So right. Yeah, man. So, man, after the game, again, the game doesn't end the way we want. Right. Um, very close game. They pulled it out at the last second. But the joy, 
that I know you felt after that game, knowing that that's that validation that you mm-hmm. knew all along. And, you know, I know even heard that coach even said it out loud, like, man, I messed up, should have had you on. So how did that validation feel, my brother? Yeah, it felt great. Um, I, after the game, it was kind of like, uh, not euphoria, but man, I can't believe that just happened. You know, the way it happens. Um, you know, hugging my parents after the game, knowing that it was the last time they'd be able to watch me play football and all those feelings of the last game of your career, plus what just happened. You know, even though we lost it, it really felt good and it really felt, um, it was relaxing. I could put it that way. It really was. It was relaxing, kind of all the stress and all the, you know, the buildup was gone. And uh, it really felt good for a couple of days after too, man, because you know, you're talking to everybody about what happened and uh, yeah it was good validation you know it really was yeah man and let me say this boy i just don't see those some of those records going down for a minute <laughs> I, I'm, I'm 442 if i'm not mistaken 444 yep. 444 that's right my bad jay-z i got yeah. that 444 <laughs> album baby yeah i still man, got duquesne that- i still have a uh, duquesne field record so no quarterback from Duquesne ever has thrown for more than that. Either. Ooh, don't nice, worry. I let that, nice. I let them know every time I see them at camps. Too. That's what I'm talking about. And you know, I you know uh, one of their Hall of Famers. Uh, uh, I think his last name was Lo- Yola Lo- Loya. I- I'm messing up his name. Yeah. Man. He played up against us in '96. He was an absolute beast, man. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that's dope as hell to hear that you own the record on Duquesne's field. That's mm-hmm. that's dope. That's dope. So. Um, because I don't want to make this mistake like I did with other guys, and and so especially your situation, because your wife is a Ron Moore's grad, and she was part of the football team as well. And what I'm what's so cool about this podcast is I definitely want to get all perspectives and uh, aspects of you know the, the program, and so. I'm always fascinated by stories that Bobby Joe tells mm-hmm. from her vantage point, her and Rush being up up there filming. They get to see and hear things that we don't even know and think about. So I can't wait to have them on. So I would love to have Nicole on. So how does it feel? I mean, how has it been as far as a plus man having a wife who was part of the program? And brother, let me say this. She knows football. Yeah, How exactly. dope is that? You don't got to do no explaining. Nothing. You don't got to do no. You just, yeah, she knows the culture. She knows the, the personalities, yeah. probably by position, the in and out. So how cool is it, man, to have a wife that, you know, you went to school with y'all, y'all obviously, you know, been a, a, a resource and a, a foundation mm-hmm. for each other all the way up, but she's a football wife. So football she girl, man. Yeah, dude. How, how yeah. cool How cool is it to have that as a coach, man? Yeah, it's. I think you have to. You have to have that type of girl as a coach because of the hours put in. Um. You know, I told my buddy, you know, probably the second or third time I saw Nicole, I said, I'm going to marry her. I don't know if you know that story. Second or third time she walked out of the uh, the John Jay, I said, I told my buddy Lee, I said, hey, I'm going to marry her someday. He's like, get the hell out of here. I don't know. It was just weird. It came out that way. And then um, I think growing up, you know, in Pittsburgh, like, like we talked about before, she has that, that football background and. Uh, she knows the game and she, she knows what to expect and you know the grind of it and all that stuff and as a coach you have to have a, an awesome partner you really do 
Um, she takes a brunt of the the work whenever it's football season, and um, she's never said anything about it. She's never complained about it. She's been great. Um, you know, we've raised two awesome kids, uh, unbelievable kids, and yeah, I, I don't know what I would do <laughs> without her, man. I really don't. I mean, she she runs the runs the runs the house. And uh, yo, shout out yeah. to all the coaches' wives, man. Yep. Y'all are special uh, and dying breed. Y'all mm -hmm. are one of a kind. Uh, uh, I married a, 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 a an administrator in higher education, brother. So. You know, I, my coaching uh, 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 career is all but over. I coach middle school now, yep. but um, yeah, but I'm, I don't think I'm built for the college or professional coaching ranks anyway. So it's all good, man. So shout out to people <laughs> like yourself and, you know, your wife and family, man. So so life after football, man. So you, I heard you talk a little bit about semi-pro ball. So what was uh, uh, the options after your playing career and um yeah, what was those options? Before we get to that, you mind if I take a take take a second, please? Yeah, go ahead, dude. Right, yeah, right. we'll both do that. No problem. No problem. Back with Chronicle. Yes, sir. So, life after Robert Moore's uh, uh, playing days, you mentioned a little bit about Simba Pro and Cleary right. coming on as a coach, man. So, what was that like in that transition from uh, college to semi pro? You know, it was different. You know, it wasn't the same. Um, you know, that semi pro league, you, it could be guys that are, you know, 30, 40 years old, 30 years old, 20 years old. You know, it wasn't the same. I, I, I did one year of it, and then that was enough for me. I just thought I'd had a little bit, you know, left in the tank. And I did, but it wasn't, you know, you weren't into it as much as, you know, college um, or high school. But, uh, yeah, yeah. semi-pro. I, while, I, while I was GA and st uh, still. So, right away, I went on to, you know, the spring, my senior year, I went on to become a graduate assistant and help out at quarterbacks. Uh, Robert Morris did that um, for three years. Uh, I GA with Mirdo, um, Jake Nolf, uh, Frank Pilato. Horse was there for a little bit. Um, <coughs> which that's my. You talked to Horse lately? That guy's absolutely. Oh man, you know his 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 interview is still the top ranked uh, interview yeah. as far as views. Like his yeah. is the top. By far, so <laughs> yeah, man. I, I I'm we keep in touch with, still. Oh yeah, me too, yeah. man. I'm in contact with that fool. We got the same birthday, so we have yeah. to stay in contact. Yeah, he man. he's so, one of those guys that man. He's he's such a good person, but he's absolutely wild too, which makes him so fun to be around. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's a piece of work, boy. As a per, as the person that coached him. Oh yeah. my god, he. he I think he I, I lived with him for like uh, a year, I think. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell was that like? <laughs> Man, that was that was uh, very interesting. Let's put it that way. <laughs> oh man, you live with horse. Oh, I hell live with no. horse and Mirdo. Yeah, it was. Uh, 
we were we were in uh, I forget what the name of the place is, but apartments over near uh, near uh, the Robinson Robinson Town Center, and I think they kicked us off campus that year. That's right. That's right. But yeah, he uh, that's a good dude, man. Yeah, man, absolutely, man. So you are, uh, and I didn't, I, I, I forgot about that. You are also officially a member of the Robert Morris University Graduate Assistant Fraternity. Correct. That's a very, 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 very exclusive fraternity. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's cool as hell to talk to Mirdo and people like Scott Benzel and, of yep. course, Jake about. So let's talk about recruiting, my brother. So uh -huh. there's recruiting, then there's recruiting at Robert Morris. Right. And so y'all got to do a whole lot of shit that I did not be able to do as a GA, which is some bullshit. Oh, yeah. Because oh, if yeah. I did, I would I, I can really imagine some of the guys that I could have bought in. But talk about the recruiting process, man. What was your area and uh, who are some of your favorite and star re recruits? Because I, with the GAs, I tend to want to go back and forth to who had the, who, who were the best recruiters. So who are some of your Yeah, uh, your I, I, guys don't think I, I don't think I would have fell into the, the best recruiter. <laughs> I had some guys. I mean, I really did. Um, we were, I think the GAs though, be honest with you, where Rob Morris was at that time, like the full-time guys like Ferrison and Benzel and, you know, Rad and a couple, they, they really recruited like the studs. We, we were, we were driving numbers a lot more than finding uh, guys. Uh, I mean, I had some good guys, um, but I didn't have any like all Americans or anything like that. We were really, you know, grinding the phones late at night, just trying to get kids in and, um, because we weren't scholarship scholarship at that time we were still on the uh you know the counters and the financial aid and all that stuff so we still had to bring in numbers at that time uh, we weren't you know limited roster wise or anything like that so GAs were basically required to to bring in as many guys as we possibly can um you know like Benzel and Ferrison and all those they, they bring in most of their talent uh, we were there to kind of supplement that with with local kids. I, I did a lot of local recruiting. I didn't do out of state, I don't believe. Um, maybe a little bit of Maryland, but um, but that was about it. I mean, I had basically two two seasons worth of recruiting in there, and that was. I mean, we were required, I believe. I'm saying this right. Seven to nine thirty, Monday through Thursday or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or something like that. I'm just in there making calls. Um, that was rough. You know, that was rough. You had no, <laughs> had no social life. Tell them about the, yeah, tell them about them cold calls, man, and, and, and the life. Oh, uh, the cold calls. <laughs> Those guys man. who think they want to be coaches, and they want to yeah. be graduates, they want to get into the coaching ranks, man. Tell them about that. I mean, I'm serious. Like, you, people don't realize that you honestly do have to pay your dues like that's it's just miss maybe one of the, the the few professions out there that still kind of does it that way like the hard way the you're doing the lonely hours you're doing the the cold calls you're doing all that stuff and uh, and then you you know once you after your two years man now you're good like you go out and get your your full-time job and all that stuff but yeah you you gotta pay your dues and it sucks because you're taking class and you're coaching, and you're uh, breaking down film, and you're recruiting at night, and you're doing uh, damn uh, 
tape exchange on a Sunday, 8 a.m. You know, this is before all the, the online stuff. I drive <laughs> to the airport. <laughs> driving to the airport and picking oh. it up again. Uh, it was uh it was rough. Like in season and spring was rough, but summer times were good. I mean, those guys were good to you. Um the defense always had a worse smoke. They 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 a hey, preach a hundred percent. I need you to preach. You, you tell them, please tell them. Defense had it way, way worse than the offensive guys. I mean, we had a breakdown film and, and all that stuff, but Walton didn't use cards for practice or scripts <laughs> or anything, right? <laughs> those poor guys, those poor GAs on the defensive side, man, they had to draw up every single play perfectly and if he didn't rad would come in and pitch them out and make them feel small and it was just i mean obviously we were on the other side laughing at him because we weren't getting yelled at but uh <laughs> way easier to work for walton than it was rad man and let me say this and i'll give a shit what any <laughs> ga say because i want to see somebody say they had it worse than me i was the only defensive GA for Rad during the 2000 undefeated season and the 9-11 season. My, bro, I remember Film Exchange doing 9-11. Yep. We were playing, uh, 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 um, getting ready for Monmouth, New Jersey. To explain to Coach Walton that a terrorist attack is why I can't drive to Jersey. <laughs> he didn't want to hear no part hear of that. it, bro. So I tell people, that's a story, bro. Oh, man. He did <laughs> that not want to hear that. Did not want, 9-11 could not stop film exchange. Right. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh man. The only thing that I got at bad was uh, during practice because the defensive GAs ran the scout D. And then the offensive GAs ran the scout O. So I had to, you know, hold the play up and tell everybody what they were doing. So if Rad didn't like the speed that we were doing it or we screwed up a play, then yeah, I'd get it. But I'll tell you what, you couldn't pay me to be on the defense side of the ball, man. That was, uh, <laughs> you guys got it, man. Bro, man, oh man, oh man, oh man, words. There's no words, bro. I, I, I'm gonna write about it one day. Uh, My two years as a GA under Dan Radakovich. Yes. Boy, boy, that's going to be a bestseller. I, I, I'm going to find a way, man. It's a hell of a story, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. So uh, uh, so you recruited local. Uh, so you uh-huh. two years as a GA. So what happens after the GA? So um, I was done being a GA in December. Right, I graduated in December with my MBA. Which is one of the, which is the hardest thing I've ever done academically, but I'm glad I did it. Uh, you remember the the you only allowed two C's in masters? I got a C on a first class. Ooh, first class. So for damn. two years, two years I had I was on like I was stressed out thinking I was gonna get another one. <laughs> oh, for those who don't understand, to pursue a master's degree, a C is an F. Yes. yes. <laughs> Just to give you an idea, they, they don't give F's and D's. You fail, nah. a C is damn near F, A's and B's. A, a B is damn near failing. Yeah. 
So, so I went yeah. to uh, after that. You know, we, we were just trying. I was trying for oh, five, six months to get a job. I mean, I tried everything. Um, you know, the one thing that 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 I try to help us help my GAs out with is, is learning the game. So. Walton didn't do a very good job with his GAs on teaching them protections, run game, like X's and O's. So, you know, I won a couple of interviews and probably, and I don't know, but I probably didn't do very well on the X's and O's part of it. But I finally got a job at uh, Middlebury College in Vermont. Tight ends, <laughs> tight ends and offensive line. Let me tell you about what I know about Middlebury. Yep. I, I coached in Washington, D.C., high school with Ralph Clark. Shout out to Ralph Clark, yep. who's former Robert Morris running back and now the head coach in Alvernia uh, College. Alvernia, yeah. Alvernia, excuse me, Alvernia. And uh, I was his defensive coordinator, man. And when I used to hear these kids who are some of the most, the smartest and the richest kids that mm -hmm. I've ever seen in my life we talk about hundreds of millions of dollars worth and they would talk about what school they're going to and harvard was their second and third choice i'm like what the hell is wrong with you i yeah. didn't know and i right. said what's your first choice they would say stuff like middlebury mm -hmm. and williams or use uh use uh umass amherst yeah. I'm like what are the what are these schools and i started doing my research and i'm like these are these small liberal arts colleges with billions of dollars in endowment, and I'm looking at who the alumni are, and I'm like, oh shit, this is it's crazy. other other level. It's their facilities, the academic, it's yeah, it's a whole new world, man. They blow Ivy Leagues out the water. Mm. And the average person don't know about these the top liberal arts colleges in the world and what the liberal arts education represents. Right. So to I can imagine being a coach at a, a D3 school, but where the academics and and and, and so socially they're on a whole nother level. So what mm -hmm. was that like? Well, you know, Mo, like not to. I mean, I graduated from Robert Morris, but Robert Morris isn't Nescak. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> <laughs> the type of kids you get at those at, at Middlebury, and all, you're talking about kids that are probably gonna be, you know, Pulitzer Prize winners, uh, right. Nobel Peace Prize winners. Oh I mean, yes. Like you're talking about you know, engineers that were gonna make the next spaceship type of dudes. And yep. uh, so going up there, I didn't not really know what to expect because it was it was new. And, uh, but man, I'll tell you what, like I've been blessed with head coaches, like Coach Ritter up there. He played there, he's an alum there. Well, he's just an amazing, amazing guy. And uh, he kind of, you know, taught me the ropes a little bit about what to expect. And, you know, I went up there and our first meeting, I'm trying to, I teach these kids, you know, and, and you say things once and they learn it. Yep. <laughs> you're like, oh, okay, this crazy. Is, this is, it's crazy. <laughs> it's this is really easy. And uh, so we go on and uh, we win the championship. Uh, we went seven and one, which is a NESCAC back then. They only played eight games. And you're not allowed to uh, go in the playoffs and you're not allowed to recruit off campus. I don't know if you knew those rules either. No. So it's kind of like the greatest coaching job ever. <laughs> you don't 
You only play eight games. It's a quick camp. You're not allowed to go over to high schools and recruit. You can only go to like camps in the summer. In spring, there is no football. Like, I don't even know if they're allowed to uh, lift as a team in the spring. Damn. Well, you have to understand that our, like, our running back had an internship that paid him $60,000 in the summer. Like, these kids aren't worried about football, man. <laughs> You're right. And you know what? I'm so glad. So, Beardo, this is how I explained it. Like, working with that level of kid and pedigree and where they come from, they play football strictly for the love, right. for, the, for the camaraderie and to burn some damn calories. Yeah. They not doing this to find a quote unquote way out. Right, right, right. These are kids, again, I used to be amazed by my school where I worked at Moray in DC, where that was one of these schools that was a feeder for um, Middlebury, is like these kids, when I would teach it, they would pick it up on right on one try, but of course, trying to execute it on the field, that was a whole different ball game. But I was just amazed by that pedigree. Like you said, man, these kids struggling, trying to, you know, hoping to figure things out. And as college students, they're making the salary of a middle, a middle class family as an intern. And so, yeah, that's a whole nother level, man. So, but you guys went seven and one that year. Yeah, we went seven and one that year. We won it. We got a nice ring out of it. Um, got a couple good relationships out of there. And then, but that was, it was considered, my position was considered like um, a nine month position. So it wasn't like full-time benefits, something like that, which, which, was, which was fine for what I was looking for. You know, I always tell my guys, be broke for as long as you can to do what you love. You know, if don't, don't 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 worry about money until you have to. You know, so yep. I, I did that for a year, basically till March, and then um, I, I you have to I have to go back two months. So I put my resume on the board at the AFCA convention. So I go back and I leave Middlebury and I'm trying to find a job, right? And I get married in May. And uh, right before I got married, this coach calls me from Fairleigh Dickinson University. I was like, I don't even know where the heck this is. It could have been. <laughs> I, I don't know where it was. He was talking to me. He's like, yeah, I got um, your resume off the board at the AFCA convention, which all coaches know that's literally, I may be the only person ever to do that. <laughs> <laughs> ever. Like, nobody gets a job <laughs> off those resumes. Right? right. You ain't lying. Right. <laughs> so I go, Coach Moss, like, how did you, why did you pick my, um, my name out of it? He goes, oh, you went to Robert Morris and your last name's Italian. So I go, you picked me because I was Italian? That's hilarious. Because <laughs> he was an Italian dude. And I'm like, okay, right, so. Right. Went there, interviewed, got the job as OC, and he's like, I need a playbook by uh, July. I'm like, oh, it might, this is probably, this was after came back from, so maybe the beginning of June. Now, Mo, I didn't have a playbook. I, I basically was going off of stuff that I did at, at Robert Morris and uh, in Middlebury. So I would work like security for the month before going to Fairleigh Dickinson and I'll work security during the day. I'm sorry, from three to 11. And then I'll come home at Nicole's house and we stay there while we're moving to Jersey. 
and I would work on my playbook for like three, four hours till like three o'clock in the morning. And so I had to put a, I'd make a playbook in like a month. And uh, so I show up in, in Fairleigh Dickinson and Division three school, again, another kind of higher academic institution, Jersey, which is um, expensive as hell. I mean- Hell yeah. Northeast in general, bro. It's crazy. So I wasn't making it much money. And so, but Jersey is expensive, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, <laughs> my first game as a coordinator, you know, Jake likes to tell the story all the time, too, Coach Nall. He goes, uh, I, 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 we, Fairleigh Dickinson was a under center, eye strong, weak backs like the year before, right? Wow. <clears throat> so, I'm like, all right. We're going to scheme up this first play to score a touchdown. It was basically our fastest kid on a post. And I told our athletic director, I said, watch the first play. Guaranteed touchdown. So my first play as an OC, we went play action bombs, touchdown, 80 yards. Right? <laughs> so I was like, oh, this is easy. This is great. So second, first play of the second half, we schemed something else up in the, in the – um, in the locker room. I went to the AD who was sitting outside of the, the uh, field. I said, watch the first play. So we <laughs> scored on the first play of the second half. Bomb, play action bomb. <clears throat> and uh, we ended up winning it in the last like 10 seconds, man, 42-41. I was so pumped because I was like, man, first game is OC, like scored 42 points. This is great, this is, this is good. And then football is a humbling game. <laughs> Next game, we go up to Alfred. I don't know if you know where Alfred's at. It's in the middle of nowhere in New York. And I'm feeling good. I'm feeling, you know, we scored 42 points. This is kind of easy. They proceed. <clears throat> They're like a top 10 team. They proceed to blitz seven and go cover zero. Ooh. The entire game, and I had no answers. <laughs> Ooh, that's some aggressive shit. Uh, dude, it, they, it was, I tried everything. I could not figure it out. I could not. So, you know, coaching, it'll humble you quick, real quick. What was the final score? Uh, I don't, it was probably 35-7. I think we scored seven points. So that was it. We couldn't do anything. Everybody was like, what do we do? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. <laughs> so, and then I, I tell you, that was the best stop for a young offense coordinator because Fairly Dickinson didn't really know or didn't really care about winning in football too much, right? So I kind of got my my stuff together there, you know, kind of figured out what I wanted to do and I could make mistakes, call them plays, and yeah, you would feel bad and <clears> – <throat> Head coach would give you some crap, but you know, you weren't getting fired because of it. And then, so I was there for three years. It was a good three years. We weren't very good. We were like three and seven every year. Um, and then our head coach retired at Fairleigh Dickinson, right? And they wanted me to take the uh, head coaching job. <clears throat> I've always said that the first head coaching job I'm going to take is going to, it has to be a good spot, it has to be the right situation. And um, at that time, I don't think Fairleigh Dickinson was the, the right situation for me. But I had nothing else going on, <clears throat> you know? So uh, all of a sudden in December, a guy that I worked with in Middlebury called me and uh, 
He's like, that's got the head coaching job at Rhodes College. Ooh, yeah. yeah. And I'm yes, like, sir. oh, that's good, man. What's up? He's like, I don't want you to be my OC. I'm like, really? <clears throat> Let me come down and check it out. Now, as you know, Rhodes College and Memphis is absolutely awesome. Yes, it is. Beautiful campus, man. Beautiful campus. Awesome city. It gets a bad rep. I have no idea why. It, it was city wise, it was awesome. There was so much yeah, to do. Yeah, please, man, let's let be intentional about that. Please, yeah. yeah, please celebrate the beautiful city of Memphis. Uh, why is Memphis a dope ass city that needs to be visited more? And you can have some bomb ass fun in Memphis. I don't understand it. I really don't. Because I, in regards to having fun, you know, we didn't have any kids. Uh, we were having fun every weekend. Uh, Beale Street is uh, a, a smaller bourbon street. It is so much yep. fun. There's music everywhere. I uh, got the Grizz, Memphis Grizzly right right there. You can literally walk in downtown Memphis and see things like where Dr. Martin Luther King got shot, Beale Street, barbecue joint, um, the Grizzlies, uh, like all this historical stuff that it's a small city so you can go around and check it out dude it's i'll tell you what in regards to like just history and music and food man it was it's like every weekend you find out something else to do yeah man i i'm i'm with myself reggie chambers and yeah. uh Fred uh, Parker, man, uh, a couple years ago, we went for a jog, man, for, we attended a uh, classic down there, uh, Southern Heritage Classic, man. We took a jog downtown yeah. and it was so dope, man. Um, it's so dope to see it on foot, man. And uh, so how highly recommend Memphis as a place to check out for a, a quick a weekend getaway, man. It's pretty mm -hmm. dope. Yeah, man. So Rhodes College, man, I. I was recruited uh, uh, by Rose College for about 30 seconds out of high school. Right. Um, when, when they heard my GPA, and I <laughs> bullshit, you know, I graduated with a 2-2 two, two high school GPA, 14 ACT. Yeah. And I remember them saying stuff like, well, for our football players, you know, we have some guys who did not perform as well coming out of high school, but with some extra help, we was able to get them up. And I'm like, what are those guys going to ACT? He said, you know, like a 27. Yeah. I said, are you kidding me? Those are the guys struggling? I said, man, ah. about 30 seconds and I was a piece of like yeah. a 27 is struggling. Yeah. How was it at Rhodes, man? So Rhodes get down there and it's um a great setup. I mean, they obviously have a ton of money um in regards to you know giving giving you what you want. Um great people. I mean, I've been fortunate with people I've been around. Like, I had great hires there. Glenn Reese was an amazing running back coach. Ryan Larson was a great receivers coach for us. I had some great offensive line coaches, Ray DiMartino, Craig Stutzman, who's now at um, Washington State receivers. Um, I, I surrounded myself really well down there. And, uh, you know, first year, we kind of get our teeth kicked in a little bit, go three and six. And, but you start, you know, you see, you see some, some good things happening. Uh, next year, we recruit really well, get a lot of kids in there. We go six and three, and then our, our last game of the year, we beat a top-level team. And then that last year I was there, 
we uh, um, go eight and two. We win the conference. In the last game of the year, uh, we, we beat the undefeated team that was ranked like fifth in the country at home. We beat them. We beat the snot out of them. And uh, and we and, and we won. We had no business beating them either in regards to talent. That we our kids just came to play that day. So we won the conference there. <clears throat> had a great time, you know, and then Nicole got pregnant, you know, and uh, and Santino was being uh, going to be born in, in in February. So, you know, I, I think in December, Benzel called. Yes, mm. he hey, I'm uh, interviewing for Westminster. That's good. That's good, man. What's what's up? He goes, if I get it, are you in? I'm like, oh man, like I don't know. We just won a championship, like. <laughs> this is great and I'm getting paid well. And you know, this Memphis is great. And, but at the same time, Mo, like I was having a kid and coming back to Pittsburgh with family and that kind of trumped yep. everything. Yep. So he got the job and on the West mini we went, man. Dope, dope, dope. Yep. So shout out to Scott Benzino, yep. Benzel head coach at Westminster College, man. So you get on campus, man, and you're the OC. And um, so what are some things that you immediately were excited about? And uh, what are some of the good things that you guys were able to do out there? Westminster is a place that, uh, is a place that, you know, they, they care about sports. They care about football. It's part of their tradition. They have six national championships. The people there are unbelievable. The athletic director, Jim Daffler was a great human being. Um, they give you everything you need to compete. You know, it's one of those schools that they want to be on the forefront. They want to, you know, win. And um, and we and they gave us everything we needed. You know, they were coming off a couple of years of kind of mediocre. And, you know, Westminster, they don't do mediocre you know, in regards to football. Like, they're used to winning all the time. And, uh, you know, that first year was eye-opening. We went four and six, um, had some really bad games, but then, so we were going downhill and then we just stuck with the process, you know, Coach Benzel and, and, and Coach Nolf and I and, and Coach Plug and all those guys that helped us out, they, we just stuck with it, man. And um, then we started an uptick kind of halfway through the season. We won, I think four out of our last five games. And then that propelled us into you know, recruiting in division three recruiting, you're, you're bringing in 60, 70 kids a year. Right. It's just the way that level is. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think we bring in like 83 or something that year, some insane number. <laughs> and we go, uh, nine and two with a bowl game, a bowl win. And, uh, you know, in, in my tenure there, we, Six years, we won three bowl games. Uh, we played in four. Uh, we had, you know, some of the most talented football teams I've ever been a part of, man. We just recruited our tails off. And that goes to show, you know, these kids just believed in Coach Benzel and what we were doing and all that stuff. And it was obviously a whole lot of fun, man. A whole lot of fun, a lot of winning. Yeah, man. So, yeah, something that Benzel, me and Benzel talked about in the interview and looking so forward to putting his out is recruiting Florida. And mm -hmm. you imagine recruiting Florida anywhere, everybody's trying to tap into that talent. 
And to get Florida kids to PA is not an easy feat. Um, it's not an easy sale, but those who are good at recruiting and they're good at what they do, because recruiting is not just getting there, but it's keeping the kid there. And you got to take care of that kid, mm -hmm. you know? And, and you know, Benzo talked about how he don't make promises to 4.0s, but your ass will be getting up out of bed and taking your ass to class. So, exactly. Um, yeah. So tell me about uh, uh, the Florida kids, man, up there. Any good stories about any Florida kids that, that you know, and, 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 and you know, what kind of talent y'all was able to bring from the state? Well, Florida is a, is a, it's a different type of football. So you're going to get, it's a faster game down there. It's yeah. a more athletic game down there. You know, in the, mm -hmm. you know, in the North, you're going to get, you know, you, you'll get your linemen, your linebackers, you know, some good skill players. But if you want your speed and talent, yeah. it's going to come from Florida. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the kids we got from Florida, I mean, I had a quarterback that was the most dynamic athlete in the conference you know, for four years. I had, um, you know, slots, Juju Bentley. I had running backs. I had receivers. I mean, yeah, say their okay. names. Go ahead and say those names. Uh, bro. So we, uh, the guys that we had early on, you know, Juju Bentley and uh, Paul Colombo, and then we had. Uh, Karazi Williams, we had X, we had uh, Jordan Edwards, we had a couple of linemen. Um, you know, we had just dudes coming out of there, but they were still young. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we were still young. And but they were, you could tell they were, they were just starting to make plays and they were more dynamic than everybody else. So like at Westminster, I always felt like because we recruited Florida, we always had better talent than everybody else. Yeah. Always. And so we just kept that pipeline going. And we just year after year kind of bring up 10 kids a year from Florida, you know, but, you know, Florida's tough too, because you're going to get some kids that are homesick. Yeah. So you'll probably keep about half those kids every year, right. you know, five out of 10 yeah. to actually stay up there. But yeah. I'm telling you what, you can tell a difference in football from a Florida kid to any other thing because <laughs> it's a faster game. Yeah, man. I try to tell people, man, but I love to let, let PA guys say it, man. Yep. man. Shout out to Western PA football because y'all produce ballers and the, the track record is speak for itself. So uh, we love to have that PA uh, Florida conversation about football. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, we give credit where credit is due. But, yeah, you know, it's, we, it's, a, it's a pool of talent and there's a lot of kids that are looking for opportunities and you know, coaches got to find, be, be the right fit because a lot of coaches that are not doing it the right way. And um, you go down to Miami, if you want to, talking crazy, you will get exposed because they're used to dealing with all types of coaches. So, yep. um, um, yeah, man. So uh, six years at Westminster, y'all do the damn thing. And then Edinburgh come calling, uh, man. And so mm -hmm. now you're at Edinburgh, man. Shout out to the Fighting Scots. Yep. You know, and I'll tell Coach uh, North that I did get the t-shirt in the mail. Looking forward to rocking that joint, man. Did you get but, it? Uh, there you go. Yeah, man. You yeah. know, with the hood, actually, I'm still in the design for my company because uh, I love that hoodie combination with yeah. it, man. I'm going to be working out in that joint a lot, man. So, yeah, man. So what are some things that you guys are excited about, man, about as you in a this new season, man, because camp is about to be starting real soon, mm -hmm. man. So where are you right now in, in, in June uh, 9th uh, in your preparation? Yeah, we're, we're a month away from mini camp, and we'll do mini camp for about two weeks. That'll take you through the mid part of July, and then 
<clears throat> August 8th, camp, camp comes around. And to be honest with you, like, we can't contain the football in us right now because we're so excited to get out there and, and practice and play. And, and I'm interested to see – I mean, I know what the PSAC's all about. I mean, this is great football. It's probably one of the best, if not the best, Division II conference in the country. And, you know, again, we're looking to, to, to build this thing up to, you know, some of the upper echelon teams – that are in the conference. And I'm tell you what, these kids at Edinburgh, they're, they, <laughs> they've been real easy to work with, real easy. They have been great. They want to win. Uh, they see the schemes that we're putting, them, putting in and they're picking them up. Uh, we got some good dudes, um, you know, physically, mentally. Uh, you know, the tough part about turning anything around is just putting it all together. You know, so we went up to St. Francis and had a real good scrimmage versus them. And St. Francis is, you know, a level above us. And we competed with them all day. Uh, so that was good good signs. Um, I know one thing, man, is, is Coach Knopf will – you can't but help get energized around him. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Like his energy, his excitement, his enthusiasm for the game is, is, is second to none. He'll get these kids ready to play. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind the kids will be ready to play. And uh, I think that we're going to shock a lot of people um, right away, you know, from the beginning of the season. And we just got to keep on building, you know, year after year. It's all about recruiting. We got to get bigger, better kids. Um, Now with scholarships, you know, Coach Nolf's been in that realm. And uh, Coach Papley and Coach Tislerat's O-line coach, they've been in that realm. Duquesne, YSU. This is kind of my first go around with actual scholarship money for recruiting. So it's been really nice to to help kids out and, and, and be on that that scholarship level. It's been a nice change of pace. Cause you know, in division three, you can recruit a kid for five months. Right. And then all of a sudden his financial aid package comes out. He's got to pay 25 grand. He ain't coming to your school. Right. You know, so Division Two, you can help out as much as you possibly can. So it's been great, man. It's been great. People have been great. The facility. Have you ever been up to Edinburgh? I have not, man. So I was up here maybe in high school for a passing camp. When I came up here <clears throat> first day, man, it was, it's just big. Like it's it's a big state school. It's hmm. tons of land. It's got a dome. Um, we have, you know, these big buildings on campus. Our housing is incredible. It's just a like when you think of a big state school, like that's exactly what it is. <clears throat> you know, coming from the Division Three world, you know, the smaller schools you don't get that. But I, mean, I was definitely excited about how nice and open and, and the facilities and all that stuff. A lot of space. Man, this is what I'm going to do, brother. Yep. I'm going. I got planned a trip. Because of what you just said, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a two for one. I'm gonna go see if I can go check out Ralph. Yep. And uh, come check you guys out. I'm gonna find a, a weekend that has both y'all playing a home game or something where I can shoot by somehow, some way. And uh, yeah, yeah, bro, come on I'm, up, man. For sure, for sure, man. Got to make that happen. Come up man. to the borough. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So I will be up there somehow, somewhere. I'm gonna make it. Do up you there. fish? Dude, you know what's crazy? I'm from Miami, Florida, right? And I've never been fishing in my life. <sighs> I was gonna say because there's like trophy streams up here and lakes. Oh wow, it's, it's great. Now let me ask you: Do you paddleboard? 
I don't, no. Kayaking? No, I've kayaked, yeah. Hey, yeah, I'll if they, I, I've, I've also canoed, and I've, uh, I've, I've, me, I've tipped Coach Benzel when I on a lake one time. It was a good story. Oh, something. shit, <laughs> dude. I tell you what, we, we could do some single kayaking. <laughs> and I'm dead ass, man. That's my new thing, dude. Is it? And for the first time publicly, I'm glad to say, man, I'm a certified scuba diver, bro. Whoa. And, right. Oh, yeah, That's dude. Oh, dude, not only that, I got a chance to do it in Costa Rica, one of the best scuba diving places in the world. Just happened to be there two weeks ago on for vacation, and I'm like, this opportunity is a once in a life, not once in a lifetime, but definitely one that I need to take advantage of. So I just, I'm not a swimmer like that. I'm decent, and I realize now it's easier to scuba dive than to uh, swim on top of water. Mm. And I'm telling you, dude, I got to see some stuff down there, man, and I got to do my final exam next to a seven foot shark. Jeez. And I'm gonna tell you, dude, I had to remain as calm as possible, rip my mask off and totally be blind 50 feet under, still breathing with my, and put it back on and blow all the water out with that shark right there. Nice. And the only reason he did it is be, my instructor was because he, he said like, you are natural at this, like you yeah. can handle it. And I'm telling you, dude, that shit was awesome. I, I can't that's wait. Awesome. Like my dream is to swim with some whales, man, and I'm I'm yeah. I'm going down to Florida uh, uh, in August. Hopefully, I can avoid the hurricanes. Do some scuba diving down there, but I'm I'm, I'm I want to I'm you know I don't know what I'm see down there, but whales is my ultimate goal, man. So, but yeah, man, I never been fishing, dude, and I really would love to go fishing and uh, shit, and we could do that in the in the fall for sure, man. Yeah, I'm down for that, man, for sure, for sure. Well, my brother, we just did about two hours in, in some change. Not right. too much, not too bad. This is good. Uh, uh, we got through everything, man. And uh, if there's anything you want to promote, man, Edinburgh season coming up, man, and encourage guys. And I'm a good encourage guys that you played with and Robert Moore's family to come support you all. We got some head coaches that are doing some big things. They're part of the Robert Moore's brotherhood, fellas. Let's go support them. Let's go show our love. And uh, you know, let's 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 see what that Robert Morris uh, 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 culture looks like in other contexts, man. Because it's a winning formula, we know that. So let's go support, man. So anything you want to promote, man, do yeah. so. I don't think I would say anybody's more than welcome to come up. It really is a, a nice little town. Erie's 15 minutes away, man. So <clears throat> come up, check out the party, Scotts. We'll put on a good good show for you. Just. Find me on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. I'm on those. Um, just hit me up and we'll get you in, man. Sounds good. Well, my brother, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank uh, you all and thank my brother for coming on. He is the current uh, Edinburgh University Offensive Coordinator, former Robert Morris quarterback, holds the all-time record for completions, attempts, and yardage in the game. My brother, uh, Richard DeMayo, I appreciate you. Thanks, Mo. Appreciate it, man. It was a whole lot of fun, baby. Yes, sir, man. Thank you, man. Please get the word out about this experience and telling people that it's really not as bad as they would think. <laughs> and uh, oh. well, lastly, but not least, man, who, who would you recommend and you can help me get on that you would love to get on? Man, I, I think everybody that has, they, everybody else has mentioned, I would stick with those guys but there's one guy and I, I haven't heard much people say but i'll tell you what it'd be a, sean martin 
would be a very interesting conversation. The guy played, started at receiver. He started at quarterback. He's probably got a ton of stories. He was there during the heydays, man. So, you know, any of those guys, Daldo, I mean, all those guys that, you know, I've heard everybody else say, get on. I mean, that'd be great to hear from you. For sure. Shout out to Rick Daldo, who's agreed to be on. I'm getting him on. I'm trying to get in contact with Sean. I can't wait to tell that story about how he got his chance to play quarterback. Yep. Uh, that's going to be pretty dope, man, because uh, me and him had a real good uh, conversation right before he did that. So, uh, but yeah, my brother, I appreciate that recommendation. That's a very good one, man. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, my brother, Richard Daldo. Thank you, my brother. <laughs> All right, Mark. All right, man. Have a good one. All right, I'll see you, bud. All right, bye. Thank you.